The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. We are gathered here today to bury the idea that real estate in NYC is dead. This city was an absolute ghost town during the first half of 2020. People fled the city at the height of the pandemic, leaving apartments empty and commercial real estate boarded up, partially because of COVID restrictions and partially because there was just nobody left in this city. Let's look at some facts. In NYC, residential sales dropped 28% between March 2020 and February 2021. In fact, March 2020 was the last and only month in 2020 when sales showed positive year-over-year trends for the city overall. Real estate agents couldn't even legally show houses through the opening months of the pandemic, crippling an already ailing housing market. The market has been all over the place since last year. Even though Manhattan's median sale price dropped 8% overall, the median sale price for the city as a whole gained 3% in the first year of the pandemic, with the Bronx climbing 17% in sale price. This has also been the first year, maybe ever, where renters have had any sort of upper hand over landlords. In July 2020, over 25% of tenants were not paying rent in NYC. By January 2021, New York's landlords were owed over $3 billion in unpaid rent. Now, normally, landlords would be getting that money back immediately. But the state government passed a bill preventing evictions for a period of time in the city. You know, technically, landlords are getting screwed over here. But are we supposed to care? Landlords are notoriously one of the shittiest parts of living in this city. Those moratoriums are ending, though. And a large portion of this city's renters and landlords are trying to grapple with what to do when the rent comes due. You know, as the city starts opening up, those New Yorkers that fled to, like, Cincinnati are starting to come back to Bushwick. And they're trying to get those sweet, sweet Corona rental deals that they've been hearing about. But those deals have started to dry up. With all this market volatility, we have to ask, is real estate in NYC dead? I'm Aton Levine. I'm a comedian and writer from New York. I've written for the New York Times and Amazon. And I think that LaGuardia is just a bodega with some airplanes. I'm Jackson Clemens, comedian, writer, producer, and commentator on BuzzFeed News. And I'm pretty sure the Z train doesn't exist. This is NYC is Dead, a podcast focused on proving how alive this city actually is. Every week we speak with New Yorkers that have direct influence and insight into the industries that this city is famous for and hear how it's changed in the wake of 2020. At the end of each episode, we'll get a little closer to answering the question, is NYC dead? Our first interview, we interviewed Eric Goldie, who is a real estate agent at Compass and has a massive, massive social media following. And we wanted to talk to him a little bit how the market has been all over the place over the past year. Uh, small brag, I do have a real estate agent license like half of the people in New York City do. If you're talking to someone in New York, there's a 50% chance that they also work in real estate. I know 17-year-old kids that like work in real estate and like make money in the city. It's crazy. I'm a transplant. I don't. I will never get a real estate license here <laughs> in New York City. Oh, you couldn't. You'd get eaten alive. Yeah. I'm not like sharky enough to be a real estate agent, which is why like this interview is so great because... He didn't feel sharky at all. He felt like a genuine, nice person. I was like, I would follow this man. That's how they get you. I would buy whatever house he wanted to show me because he was just that nice. And this is why I can't be a real estate That's how they get you. I know. How do you think I ended up with my first five apartments here in New York City? I was just like, oh, I don't need a tub. I don't need a shower (laughs) because, you know, whatever. And then I ended up in the shittiest apartments. But this guy, not only was he super nice and a fun interview, but... He can get you a really nice place in Soho. 
Could he though? Because that's like the whole lore of like real estate people is that they're secretly, they're really good at talking. They're really good at making you feel comfortable and warm. And then all of a sudden, boom, bang, boom, you're paying $500 extra a month for a fifth floor walk-up studio in, in an abandoned Denny's on Randall's Island. First of all, all of those things sound so appealing to me. I want to I oh, yeah. be in a Denny's in Randall's Island. <laughs> I want that true New York experience, you know? Every real estate agent experience I've ever had has always been like, okay, listen, it's a renovated IHOP on Roosevelt <laughs> Island, and it's three bedrooms, and two of the bedrooms are the Brooklyn Cyclones minor league baseball team. <laughs> there is exposed brick, but not for the reasons you're going to like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyways, our first interview is with uh, Eric Goldie. He's going to talk to us a little bit about uh, just how crazy the market has been over the past year. I've been working in real estate in New York for just over four years. I don't know if we want to count this last year as a full year, but I've been working in real estate for a little while in New York. And yeah, it's been it's been fantastic. I love uh, you know the clients that I get to work with here. They're all uh, super driven, super motivated people. And I think that's one of the things that really excites me about New York real estate is New Yorkers are extremely savvy and they know how to navigate a deal. And it's just been so much learning on my part, throwing myself into this industry after being in the media and entertainment industry and have to pat myself on the back to be able to kind of like pick it up and, and learn it in, in three years. So what, what was real estate like before the pandemic for you? It's funny because everyone thinks like the pandemic crushed New York real estate. New York real estate was not thriving in 2019, 2018. I started at not a great time to be starting in New York real estate. So it wasn't fantastic. And then obviously the pandemic hit. And it was an interesting time to be navigating the, the New York real estate market. I was working with six or seven buyers who all immediately vanished. Like, I mean, we still kept in contact, but they were like, not right now. And I'd say within the first month or two of the pandemic, new buyers started coming into the woodwork. And they were all first-time home buyers who wanted to strike while the iron was hot. These first-time buyers who were obviously, you know, still employed. So they had their steady income and they realized that this might be the only time to snag an insane deal in in New York. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's a huge risk. You don't know where the market's going to go at this time. I definitely didn't have a crystal ball and couldn't tell you that, you know, we would be breaking records the year later that we hadn't seen since 2014 or 2007. It's crazy. Prime example, I had this client who um, budget was up to 3 million and we were looking up to like 3.1, 3.2 with, you know, the idea that we would definitely negotiate it down. There was a property that was listed for two nine. He was like, let's offer one nine. I'm like, okay, we're going to go that route. Let's try it. <laughs> like, we're really going to lowball here. They immediately came back and countered at two one. So they dropped $800,000, which I had never seen. I mean, I've seen an $800,000 price reduction, but that's off of like a $8 million property. We ended up getting it for $2,050,000. And that was when I really realized like, wow, this is an opportunity for young people. Were you, were you representing sellers also during this or just? Yeah, I had. What were you telling them? listen, like a lot of them were, were kind of 50-50. Do we want to keep the property on the market or do we want to hold out and sell it? Depending on what the client's financial situation was, we kind of left the ball in their court. All we can do is show the property. As a matter of fact, for the first four months of quarantine, we were not allowed to show real estate in New York. So that was the toughest thing. I was dealing with clients who were buying properties sight unseen. And I had listings that I legally was not allowed to show with the threat of losing my real estate license which I'm obviously not going to risk. Bill de Blasio shows up to your door, goes, all right. I heard you were... Heard you were showing. Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, listen, like, when you send the email that's coming from your company saying, like, your license will be revoked if you step your foot into this property, usually your clients are like, okay, let's not risk it. 
And then something happened after, uh, after the new year. I don't know what, but people started coming back. And the numbers that we have hit, like, for example, we had 398 contracts signed to Manhattan. That's up another quarter of a percent since last week. We were breaking records that we have not seen since 2007. What kind of records? In terms of sales volume. I mean, I was reading this article the other day. I'm going to read the facts just directly because I don't want to misquote anything. In terms of the luxury market, so we're talking $4 million and above in New York, I would consider luxury. We had 14 properties closed last week. The average discount on those properties is only five and a quarter percent. So we're not talking like major, major discounts anymore. You know, people, when they enter the New York market, and, and especially now they're thinking, oh, we're going to get these crazy deals. We're going to see properties that are going to be selling for 15, 20% off. And that's just not the reality. The reality is that we're getting flooded with showing requests. We're getting multiple offers. We had a listing on the Upper East Side last week, our team. It wasn't my listing, but one of my colleagues' listings. And I think he said the first day he had like 40 showing requests and he had like 10 offers within the first day. And it sold for, it's in contract now for 17% above ask. So the market is moving again. Why though? What are you attributed to? There's definitely been a little bit of a price correction in New York. I think that is where people are are realizing this could still be an opportunity to jump on New York real estate. I do still think that buyers still have the upper hand, even though properties are really starting to move again. And I think that people left so quick. And there's that moment initially where you're like, New York is dead, New York is dead, it's never coming back. And now we're like, wait, hold on. We're getting vaccinated. Everything's kind of going back to normal. And these people just gave up their apartments in New York. And they're like, wait, hold on. I forgot the city. Like, It's the city that never sleeps for a reason. It was not dead. It was not sleeping. It was taking a brief nap. And now it's coming back. And I think that all these people who left for Florida and were buying houses in Florida, I mean, listen, like they were going to probably buy those houses regardless. This was just the straw that broke the camel's back that got them to pull the trigger on it. And it's going to take one hurricane to get those people back to New York. (laughs) (laughs) You forget like the middle of summer in Florida. Who... Who wants to be there? I wouldn't want to be in Florida in the middle of summer. Do you think that there's going to be an overcorrection, though, as far as like inflation, where before it was like, okay, you can buy something at 30% lower than what it was, I I, I guess, asked for. And then now that everything's coming back and there are more buyers, you think uh, sellers are just going to be like, here's an outrageous price and I know you'll pay for it because we're running out of real estate here. Like, what's happening? Yeah, listen, I mean, the inventory levels are definitely dipping. We're not seeing as many new properties coming to market and we're seeing an influx of buyers. So all signs point to it eventually. Again, I don't have a crystal ball. I have no idea when this is going to happen, but signs point to it slowly becoming more of a seller's market. We're definitely in a steady market now. It's not a weak market. It's not, you know, we have lower levels of inventory week by week, and we have more buyers coming to the city. It's really an interesting time. And every week, like every time I get on the phone with a client, they're, they're not asking like what's been going on in real estate. They're like, what does this week look like in real estate? Because every week has been so different, especially right in that beginning part of the new year. I don't know what happened, but like January 1st rolled around and people just got back from vacation, maybe like second or third, I guess, but got back from vacation and they wanted to come back to New York. And that was just such a good feeling. And I really, I really do think that the sense of normalcy back in the city is a leading cause of that. And I hate to say it because social media is kind of like such a touchy subject, but once you see like all of your friends and your family and colleagues back in the city, outdoor dining, even indoor dining, you know, it's causing a lot of people to have that FOMO again. And they're like, wait, I kind of want to go back to New York. I hate Cincinnati. Cincinnati sucks. Cincinnati what? sucks. DC is the worst. Yeah, I went. I, yeah. I come from Cleveland originally, and let me tell you what you can buy in Cleveland for a million dollars. Whole family. <laughs> you can buy Cleveland for a million dollars. 
no, but I spent like two or three weeks with my family during COVID there. And there was that initial moment where I was like, wow, this is like really nice. It's like relaxed, more suburban lifestyle. Week three, I'm like, get me back to New York. Like, I need to <laughs> yeah. like, I don't care if I'm sitting in my apartment, just looking out the window. I just need, there's, there's that energy that New York has that no other city has to offer. And I think that's what's so unique and special about it. So how did all of this vary across the different boroughs? I mean, I don't really care about Staten Island, but like, what was, was this market volatility? Uh, <laughs> no offense to Staten Island uh, entirely. Or Long Island. Fuck Long Island. I can say that out loud. Fuck all the islands, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, how, how did it, how did it vary across like Brooklyn, Queens and Manhattan? In terms of more populated areas, the market definitely plummeted. Brooklyn had an interesting market because there are a lot more affordable townhouses there. So the market for townhouses, I, to be completely honest, I don't do too many deals in Brooklyn, so I don't want to speak on someone else's territory, but the townhouse market exploded because people realized the significance of having your own yard, your own space, your own door to walk into. You're not passing 50 people in the hallway. So that specific part of the Brooklyn market really had a moment. And I actually had a few clients who rented out their Brooklyn townhouses for well above what they should have ever rented them out for because people didn't want to leave the city completely. They didn't want to buy just yet, but they were ready to rent something and have a little more space. And Brooklyn was that option for them. And not to mention a townhouse in Brooklyn is a lot less expensive than a townhouse in the West Village. I love how Brooklyn became the, uh, the vacation home for yeah. people living in uh, for the elite. Like, oh, I just need to, I need to get off the island, you know? Just <laughs> get away. Gotta... Have you ever done fall in Dumbo? <laughs> <laughs> I summer in the Upper East and I spring in Clinton so Hill. <laughs> I love it. No, but it's interesting too that the different neighborhoods also saw such different worlds, I guess, in COVID. I'd say, you know, I'm biased because I, I do live downtown and I, I'm obsessed with my neighborhood. Where do you live? What's your address? <laughs> please send packages to yeah, yeah. I, i'm downtown i live in soho actually this kind of cool area between it's called hudson square great place to invest because it hasn't yet seen this like crazy boom that prime soho and prime west village have i'm gonna call bullshit on hudson square for a second i can just make up an area between an area and an area you live you in soho right but you're like no i live in hudson square okay i live at 123rd and between adam clayton and lennox you mean Linux Triangle? Thank you. you. Thank you. you. I, live, I, live in, I live in the Lennox Peninsula. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds fancy. It sounds beautiful in the fall. Oh, you have to come to Lennox Peninsula when the flowers are in bloom. You ever been to Soha? Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful in Soha. Oh, you mean Soar? <laughs> okay. The prime neighborhoods like Soho and the West Village, for example, where I'd say 75% of my clients you know, you, you talk to any young person, where do you want to live in the city? And where do you want to buy in the city? And I'd say 75% of them are specifically the West Village. And I'm like, okay, you're making my job really hard because your budget probably doesn't match that. So it's always a letdown when you tell them what they can afford. But that area specifically did not see the insane price reductions that we saw in some other parts of the city, like the Upper East Side, which I mean, before COVID, that was a fire sale. And now it's, it was, it's even more so. In the wake of 2020, one of the big conversations was about rental strikes and people striking and not paying rent. What do you think about that stuff? If I had a dollar for every single friend, former client, random person that I've spoken to once in my life that texted or called me in the beginning of this asking how they can get out of paying their rent, I mean, I'd probably only have like $50, but still a ton of people. <laughs> but I can't even tell you how many calls I was getting. And I'm like, listen, you signed a contract. You said that you were going to pay this amount for this term. You got to figure that out with your landlord. 
I think there were people who are definitely in much worse situations and truly could not afford to pay their rent. And yes, they should figure out something with their landlord so that they could maybe get a reduction on it every month rather than just not paying it. But it was really tough being an agent and giving advice on something that I really couldn't help with. I didn't even negotiate this deal for you. So I can't tell you to not pay your rent. I would never put that in writing, but talk to your landlord. I think it's going to be really interesting with the rental prices. That's where we've seen a big hit and not so much in the prices, but they're offering these crazy concessions. They're offering like two or three months free on a 14 month lease. So that drives the price down drastically. I mean, when you're talking five, $6,000 a month, you're saving a lot of money there. How bad did commercial real estate get hit? Tanked. I mean, if you walk around any neighborhood, uh, walk around Soho. I mean, that's like one of the prime shopping areas of Manhattan. And you see every, not every single place, but you'd see a lot. Uh, like if you walk down Broadway, I'd say like a third of the businesses were just closed up. I mean, I, I do no commercial deals at all, but I mean, it got destroyed. And I think it's going to take a little bit of time before that levels out again. Is real estate in NYC dead? Definitely not. It's more alive than ever. Why? <laughs> why is there always a why? Yeah. Sell it to me, real estate. Yeah, come on, salesman. Put on one of your fancy jackets. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, look, I'm a buyer. Yeah. Tell me why it's a lie. Well, listen, the, the prices have had a correction. So I think that's the one reason that the market has totally taken a shift. You've got all these buyers coming in because there has been this correction. The price has dipped a little bit. And now people are realizing this is my chance. So you have all those buyers coming back into the city. Again, the vaccine is playing a huge part in it as much as people hate. You know, I mean, we've been like so like hit in the head with like, get the vaccine, get the vaccine, get the vaccine. But now we've seen the effects. You know, the city is opening up again. It's really coming back to life. And not only the real estate market, but restaurants and entertainment and diet, everything is coming back. So that's all going to have a huge effect on the real estate prices. And the best feeling is working with clients who've been working with you for a while. Like prime example, I had a client who, who made an offer on a property two months ago, didn't go through, didn't think that they should come up any higher in their offer. And they said, that's absolutely ridiculous. There's no way they're going to sell it for anything higher than this. And I spoke to the, uh, the listing agent last week sold for like $200,000 more than what his offer was. And, you know, these clients are, are slowly realizing, wait, New York really isn't dead. Like New York is very much alive and the real estate market is just continuing to rise and it's going to keep going up. I really think once, you know, as this, the city continues to, to keep opening and, and getting back to normal, it's just going to keep going in the same direction. You know, Dragston, what's up, Aton? You know, every week we have a show in Central Park at 7.30 on Saturdays at 100th and Central Park West, if you guys want to come out. And every week, we record a portion of uh, this podcast at the show. So we uh, spoke to a couple comics. We spoke to a couple of uh, audience members about their real estate journey in the city. And we also told some stories of our own. You know, we shared. Nothing like some sharing in person. We kumbaya okay? So sit down, take a listen, and kumbaya with us. Here's some stories. Hello. Michael Hirsch, everybody. Give it up for me. Hirsch. Tell us your real estate story. Uh, yeah, so, you know, it's been COVID. It has been COVID. It a has hoax. been COVID. It, Many would argue a hoax. Plandemic, more like it. Thank it's you. Plandemic. Uh, Thank you. Atlanta never shut down, okay? Yeah. We were just in Atlanta. Atlanta's 150% capacity right now. They are shoving people into rooms that cannot fit them. So I'm going to the South next, guys. I need it. You live so, in the city, right? I, I lived in, I was, I was in Brooklyn. I was in Bushwick. It was one of these, like, new, like, gentrifier buildings that, like, the Hasidic people, like, they re 
rebuild these buildings, and they cut as many corners as they can to charge the most money. We call that a bris. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Good night. Good Thank night. You. Good night, good everybody. Night. Have a good night. Everyone leave right now. <laughs> we are ending on that. Um, <laughs> I was throwing comedy shows on the roof, doing open mics and all these stuff, and then also giant parties with 200 people, which we weren't supposed to do. Okay. Absolutely vandalized the building. But it turns out the landlord installed the same lock in every apartment in the building. So every apartment had the same front door key. Ha. My neighbor found out. He was like, Michael, like, can I can I try something? And I was like, what? And then he's like, just wait inside. And then he opens my door with his key. Oh, man. And it turns out he worked for like some like the New York City like housing authority. And then he sued the landlord. And then we didn't have to pay rent for the rest of the time. It was fantastic. Whoa! Yeah, it was Wait, sick. how long did you pay rent for? Like eight months. Okay. Whoa, you I, were... I love how you prefaced it with we threw a lot of parties <laughs> that were very illegal yeah. during the pandemic, yeah. but all the locks were weird. That's the thing. If the yeah. locks are weird, you can break all the locks. You gotta, you gotta say none to those locks, okay? You yeah. gotta. Listen, and no one knows about locks more than Orthodox than us, Jews. Than the you get it? That's Jews pun number they... two. That's and a good salmon night. pun. Good that night. is a pat salmon pun. Do you still live in the city? I, that... Now I moved to Bed-Stuy in a, in a Victorian brownstone. It's nicer now. It's rent stabilized. The person who, it would not, it's so rare to get a rent stabilized apartment. Yeah. The person died. That's the only way to do it. You That's gotta, the only way to do it. I, I swooped in. Out of death me. comes life. At one bedroom. Now I'm living alone. Being a creep alone, it's fantastic. Can I tell you a crazy story? I would love to. I had a ghost in my old apartment. Okay, what? I, here's the thing. I don't believe in ghosts. That's how crazy this ghost was in my old apartment. Here's what was happening. I, I, I moved to this apartment in Bed-Stuy where, you know where the, where the apartment is like, they, they boast about how much space they have, but it's all vertical? You know what I'm talking about? It's like, we have high ceilings. It's like, yeah, I still live in a box. So I just live in a high box. And what was happening was I was having these really crazy, fucked up dreams and always waking up at 3.40 a.m. with like a cold feeling on my shoulder, right? No, no. Yes. God damn. So after like the first week, I was like, here's the thing about scary movies that I realized is like, you don't want to be the guy go who goes, hey, there's a ghost immediately. Because everybody goes, you're crazy. But after a week, I was like, something's off. So I like walk into the living room with my roommates and I go, hey guys, is there a ghost in the apartment? Something's very weird about like my sleeping habits. I wake up at the same oh, time, no. cold shoulder. And my roommates, stone cold go, yeah, we used to do seances in your room. <laughs> ah, okay, okay. One of the old roommates tried to call my grandmother and uh, I thought he got rid of her. He didn't. So, no. They my roommate's racist grandmother <laughs> was haunting my dreams every single night. And then here's a here's that's, that's got that's grounds for a rent deduction. That's two hundred dollars yeah. off at least per month. Here's the crazy thing: it wasn't a séance that ended all of this. All right, I did acid for the Fire. first time. Fire. Right, and the ghost of this person's grandmother haunted the entire acid trip. No, oh my like, god! I had a good time. It was just like <laughs> wait, wait, was Scooby Doo the ghost? Literally, no. Here's the I I said this in the acid trip. I go. I see you. <laughs> I go, I see you, and you know what? It's gonna be okay. Like, like I'm, I'm on your team. So I was like, I'll leave some lights on, just don't bother me any, anymore. And then the ghost was like, cool. And it never bothered me again. But then, we didn't have heat all winter, and I left that apartment. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So like, it, it was a ghost and no heat, but still a ghost. It's still, ghosts are scary. Ghosts are scary. Like, I'm from Georgia. Savannah, Georgia is one of the fifth 
It's the fifth most haunted city in the uh, South. How do they do the, these ratings? Right. Who? Like someone walks around. Spook, your spooky meter. Yeah. Spook, spookometer. Spookometer. Okay. I, New Orleans is number one. Number one spooky step over in New Orleans. I, I one time went on a New Orleans ghost tour, and the guy would. They took us to a building, and he was like, "You know, this this building is so scary. Every time I come here, I don't even go on that side of the building." I, on that side of the street because it's so scary and there's so many bad energies. And I was like, what happened there? And he's like, what happened there? I've been hit by five cars over there. <laughs> five different cars, which is less a ghost thing and more just a drunk driving problem in New Orleans yeah. thing, for sure. You can get to go, those tall ass drinks that come with the plastic and the straw, you can get those to go there. Yeah. Right. It's asking for it. Guys, give it up for Michael Hurst. When we're looking at real estate, we have to look at both sides of it, right? Because if you talk to a real estate agent, they're going to let you know that the market is getting better and that please buy every apartment that I'm selling you. But for the renters themselves, for the people on the ground floor of all of this, it's been a very tumultuous year. Some people have had to move out of the city due to like being unemployed. Some people have had to move into better apartments. Some people have had to negotiate with their landlords. And some people's landlords are in jail and still text them from jail about rent. But this amazing, amazing comedian and friend of mine and also my emergency contact has been on a rent strike uh, with her apartment building. They all banded together and they did a rent strike against their uh, landlord. And currently they're winning it. What's funny about this is that like this is the polar opposite of the conversation that we had with Eric Goldie. Like when you want to talk about like that K-shape recovery, like in the housing market, it's so, so clear because Half of the people, I mean, like all the renters and stuff like that, all the people who worked in service are just like were, you know, minimum wage workers or whatever. Like that case shape is going down. And the only way that they've been able to stay in their apartments was just like not paying rent or like finding working out weird deals with their landlords and stuff like that. And to compare that to like the Eric Goldie stuff where, you know, he's closing like multi-million dollar townhouses and people are just like, well, I have all this money now. Like, what do I do with all this money? Like now is the time to go in. This interview that we did with Alex about the rent strike is day and night between what Eric Goldie was like working with on a daily basis. That's basically what New York and really, I guess, reflective of the entire country has been going through this K-shaped recovery. Some people are coming out of this doing way worse. Some are coming out doing extremely better. But I think that the end of the day, everyone's figuring out how much power they actually have in this new economy that's been budding. Which has never happened before. Renters have never had any kind of ability to like fight against this. And it's, it's interesting that COVID, the government has given, you know, eviction moratoriums to keep people in houses because of, you know, if you kick people out, obviously COVID spread is increased by the CDC made recommendations to make sure these eviction moratoriums stay in. But physically also like the courts are shut down. So I know for a fact there's also like backlogs in courts. So like small claims court and everything, all the, the things that landlords would use, all those like the legal tricks that they would use shut down also. So it gave the renters an upper hand in a situation where they normally have no leverage, no traction. They're usually outgunned and, and they just they don't know the system as much as landlords do. They're at a huge disadvantage and that disadvantage disappeared during coronavirus. Yeah, everyone became a small time paralegal yeah. and – it's been pretty great. I mean, for a little while, I didn't pay rent at an apartment because we didn't have heat throughout the winter. Like uh, there was just no infrastructure for heat and the landlord still wanted us to pay the entire rent for it. And he sold us a fraudulent room in the basement and wanted all of the rent for the room, even though it had no windows. There was just a lot going on. And so we all banded together in my uh, floor of our building to not pay rent. And 
the landlord couldn't do anything about it. And it was the first time I've ever felt like I had any type of power over any situation ever. So with that being said, Alex Khart is the person that we interviewed. She's in charge. She started up her, we're not paying the rent union in her building. She's a really good success story of uh, what happens when you fight against the man, if you will. And, and you uh, win, you know? So uh, take some notes if you want to fight yours. Hi, I'm Alex Khart, and I don't know why I got into my weird, I'm trying to sell you makeup products you don't need voice, but hi, I'm Alex Khart. I'm a comedian and a good friend of NYC is Dead podcast and their boys. <laughs> yeah. So tell us, tell us what you do. Right now, not a lot. <laughs> I uh, do stand up, but right now I'm pretty unemployed. So if you know anybody, I am very, very available. I guess uh, the thing that I've been doing mostly has been working with my tenants union on our uh, rent strike and our legal battle with our landlord. So that has been my main focus. Obviously, when the pandemic hit, a ton of people uh, lost their jobs and couldn't pay rent. And our building was also really affected by that. And my unit was having trouble paying our rent. And we tried to talk to our landlord and he was basically like, no, I can't really give you a break on anything. I can give you 10% off, but you know, you're gonna have to pay everything back anyway. Then I started talking to our neighbors and found out everybody was really struggling. And I was like, well, this is either way, just morally, not just like morally, this is housing is really a life or death situation. Even before the pandemic, uh, if you don't have shelter, you know, you are so much more likely to die violence, cold, et cetera. And especially with the pandemic, I mean, the CDC came out and basically said, if we don't put a moratorium on evictions, this is going to prolong the coronavirus. And just on a personal level, I just thought it was incredibly irresponsible and fucked up that somebody would be charging rent during the pandemic. So I went and I talked to my neighbors and we all came together and we decided to form a rent strike. And we sent him a letter of our demands and we were just like, hey, not only are we not going to pay rent because it's wrong in a pandemic and we just can't, but also you're a shitty landlord and we also don't want to pay until you make all of these repairs to the building because even before this, he was really terrible. And then being unemployed, I finally had some time to do a little research. And I found out that our building was actually rent stabilized and that he had been overcharging almost every unit a thousand dollars a month. Whoa! That's yeah. insane. And not only that, prior to the pandemic, we had recently found out that one of the reasons why our landlord was ignoring everybody's text messages was because he was in federal prison and he had put his 17-year-old son in charge of the building, who ironically was much better about getting back to us than he ever was. Yeah, um, but he just responded to you guys on TikTok, though. Yeah, <laughs> he, was, he was just better at texting in general, you know? Yeah, kids are... Oh, God, Wait, that's insanity. Wanna... Yeah, <laughs> Give me 50 likes and I'll fix your radiator, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so to me, this is the inherent problem with all of this. I So I've worked in real estate before. Obviously, you know, like I know people in real estate. And at the end of the day, these are people with mortgages, right? These are people that do have to pay off whatever things associated with buying buildings and everything like that. Because these businesses, they run like regular businesses where I think like on the surface, I'm one of those people who are like, yeah, are you know, no, 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 just hear, just hear me out though. Just hear, because this is where I'm going with this. It's that okay, okay. landlords are business owners. Real estate is a business. So 
when it comes to rent strikes and when it comes to everything that happened with Corona and people not being able to pay, they do, landlords do have the legitimate gripe of being able to be like, well, we do have to pay off our bills. And if no one's paying rent and no one's paying in, then we can't pay our bills, right? I do understand that. But I gotta gotta push back. Wait, 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 I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. However, landlords have been so shitty for so long and have done such egregiously awful things and have had the upper hand in every single situation they ever take. And they take advantage of immigrant families who can't read English. They take advantage of people who they know can't go anywhere else. They take advantage of of just like Midwesterners who come into town who don't know exactly how these apartment work. So as much as they do have some legitimate gripe, they lose every ounce of me feeling bad for them at all. You know what I mean? Where it's like, yes, technically you do have to pay the mortgage or you do have to, you know, you do have to have some money coming in because, you know, you'll go homeless without that. But at the same time, like, well, fuck you. <laughs> you right. know, I, I just don't care. Well, and in general, I mean, they're just given so much more than tenants are in just every fucking way. I mean, our landlord has ignored so many. He, we've had three court appearances and he hasn't shown up to any of them. And he, hasn't been arrested he's been able to ignore everything and here's the thing if tenant doesn't show up to court the case is just it's immediately like gone there's so many things in the court system in particular that benefit landlords you know you have to prove that you make three times your your income in Depen- order yeah. to even a rent an apartment which basically just ensures that the rich stay rich and the poor stay poor. Yeah, you basically have to have X amount of money just available to get on to a lot of uh, leases right. and stuff like that. And a certain credit score and, and credit like score, that. but you can you can overcome credit score if you have the amount of money um, or or that's guarantor. That's why I sublet. Well, yeah, I'm, guarantors always- a lot. I mean, so guarantor is also a thing where like you have to come from a, a family of means that you know that has the ability to guarantor. And on top of it, so then there's other things like Rhino which is for a fee, you can pay a bank to guarantor you, but that's a fee that rich kids don't have to pay. So you guys, so you guys unionize and you stop paying rent. So mm-hmm. what happens next? And well, everyone in the building is on this thing. How big is the building? We're six units, but one person got a job opportunity and moved out. So right now it's just five units. And okay, so you guys stop paying rent. And what is the response from the landlord? At first it was to ignore. And then we had one instance of, I guess, like intimidation where these two guys came to everybody's door and were like banging on the door demanding rent. And I know that like one of our neighbors was like talking with them and, you know, he was like yelling at him and he said it was pretty scary, but he just didn't open the door. But we've been particularly lucky in that sense. Our landlord, apart from being like incredibly rude and shitty on the few occasions that we have been able to speak with him uh he mostly has just been ignoring 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 i mean it was so hard even when a pipe burst after we had finally forced him to hire somebody to deal with a plumbing issue and then they fixed it and then the pipe burst and it took him i don't know like five or six hours to get over there and to like address the situation even though it's like flooding into apartments I mean, this guy is so egregious. I mean, the reason why he was put in prison was because he lied and said he was providing Section 8 housing to people and was collecting like Medicare and Medicaid and like food stamps, even though he's he's a millionaire. He owns like several buildings. His brother was Max Stark, the like notorious slumlord who was murdered a few years ago. Oh, wow. Uncle? 
Tony Stark. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I was he okay? He was the the I, I do remember actually right after I made that B minus joke, uh, <laughs> I remember that that was a a couple of years ago that made like headlines because it was a landlord who had gotten murdered, and the overwhelming response to that was like. Man, I can't believe that landlord got murdered. Ain't that, <laughs> ain't that shitty? Like, like who could have seen that coming? The or, headline in the New York Post was, uh, who didn't want him dead? I, I've yet to see a landlord where people were like, I love this guy. I mean, there were a few stories that came out during the pandemic of landlords who were like, you guys don't have to pay rent this month. But I'm, there was never like a, a follow-up of like, what about the month after that? Well, also, they're charging such exorbitant fucking rents. Like, okay, I'm sorry, but with the amount of money that they were making, I don't have sympathy for you. So as you're, as you're not paying and he's like sending people to bang on your doors, like when did that happen? Pretty immediately after. And then we got some other threatening posters. He hired like a new management company and they postered this stuff on the building and they sent a few people like letters and emails like demanding rent. And there were like a few threatening text messages. I got a phone call from a number I didn't recognize. And they said, you should stop what you're doing. It's a, this is going to be very bad for you. And I was like, are you, are you threatening me? And he said, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm, um, I'm giving you advice. Oh, wow. Wow. Condescending as fuck. So they start texting you. They start calling you guys. Uh, What happens next? I was really lucky. Actually, a comedian friend of mine put me in touch with his roommate. He's um, an activist and he started uh, giving me like a lot more information and eventually put me in touch with our incredible angel of a lawyer who started representing us. Oh, and actually before that, we all filed like rent overcharge claims, Mm -hmm. which everybody should just no matter where you are, should just check your rent history for your building because you'd be surprised. Like that was how we discovered that he like, we're like, why the fuck are you knocking on our doors? Like you owe us money. Like one unit, he had overcharged her $20,000 uh, wow. in rent. Wow. Here's the thing. If you prove that in court, it triples. So she would have won $60,000. But our mm-hmm. lawyer also, basically he's like, there's several different parts of your case because the amount of repairs that he hasn't done are just so astronomical and if you keep filing like HPD claims for this, eventually, like he's already been found like in contempt of court for that. And then he's accruing all of these fines. And actually soon there's probably going to be a warrant issued for his arrest and he might be facing jail time until he makes those repairs. There Is might this be, like, on the 17 year old? No, 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 no. Yeah. So he got released from prison our actual landlord. And also Dove is 17. I don't hold him responsible. I don't like have any like bad blood towards him. I think that uh, it's his father. So next there's probably a sheriff that's going to go get him uh, and make him appear and face these, uh, these different charges of contempt because there's mold in the building. One of the back doors, the lock isn't working and that's, dangerous there's a leak in the roof there's just like cracks in the ceiling and we're just like this is like just a matter of time Mm -hmm. (laughs) so what would be the ultimate win for you out of this situation i would want rent stabilized leases for everybody and and that this is all like on the books registered with the department of housing so he can't fuck with it again and ideally i would like him to lose the building would you take it over if he lost it there are ways to do that and 
I think there's a significant portion of the TA that might be interested in owning the building. I would personally love that. I love my apartment. It's beautiful. I mean, apart from all of the repairs that need to be wouldn't, done. Wouldn't that involve <laughs> buying it though? So it, it, you would take it over like with the accrued fines or, or uh, you would have to buy into it? We're not quite at that stage yet, but at first we started to negotiate because he did find representation at the very, very beginning. Mm-hmm. But then he just stopped returning his lawyer's calls so his lawyer was like, I don't know if I represent him or not. I'm not sure what's happening anymore. But his yeah. lawyer asked if we were interested in buying the building. That would be such a huge win and would be like wonderful. But we're just focused on the next court date and like just even trying to get him to fucking like come to the table. He, I don't think he's going to get a shit together. But like, you know, we do have an empty unit here and we don't want him to rent that out to anybody so you're mm-hmm. still not you're still not paying rent. No one's still paying rent in the building, and there's no. Uh, no. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Who would? That makes no sense. I mean, yeah. I don't think anybody should be paying rent. I also don't think anybody should be paying mortgages until like we really truly are out of the woods here. I don't know. I think we should just rethink the whole system in general. Like, I think everybody should have a right to housing. I think it should be like subsidized by the government. I think that this has just become too extreme. With everything that you've gone through, is uh, is real estate in NYC dead? No, no, not at all. We've gotten, I don't know, some good, some good hits in, but no, it's fucking New York City. I mean, there's still empty fucking buildings and we have a huge homeless problem. Even if even a fucking pandemic hasn't been able to like bring down the real estate lobby. I still have hope. I'm still continuing my struggle, but I don't know. We need some, we need some more ammunition. I don't know how we're doing it, but vote, go vote people. Go vote. <laughs> so is real estate in NYC dead? Hell no. If your landlord can text you about rent from jail, real estate isn't dead. If you can shave almost a million dollars off the asking price of a townhouse, real estate isn't dead. If you can make Brooklyn your summer home while spending springtime in the Upper East, real estate isn't dead. This is New York City. Even at its worst, it's still better than any other city in the country. You try getting on Hinge in Iowa. Matching with farmer after farmer. Tilling wheat all day. All the facts are pointing to a surge in the real estate industry in NYC that hasn't been seen since before the housing market crash in 2007. You want to get in while the iron is hot? Now is the time. Or maybe it's already passed and it's too late to get in. Like investing in GameStop today. You already missed the money boat, baby. And if you're a renter who hasn't paid rent since April of last year, loan me some money, okay? I'm poor. I'm so poor. Real estate is the backbone of the city. Without renters, buyers, agents, and shitty landlords, this city dies. All in all, we're happy to report that NYC real estate is not dead. You hear that, Florida? Eat my ass, Florida. Fuck you, Florida. Eat a gator butt, Florida. NYC is Dead is a production of Embassy Row. Our executive producers are Julia Cassidy, Eden Sudley, Anna Marie Johnson, and Leslie King. This episode was produced by us, Drexen Clemens and Aton Levine, a.k.a. the Pastrami Boys. This show is edited by Maureen Begas. You can follow us on Instagram at at thisguydrex, at Aton the Goalie, and at NYC is Dead Podcast. Or email the show at NYC is Dead Podcast at Gmail. See you next week. Hey.